All right, so we are uh, going through a sermon series in the book of John, and we're in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bible or Bible app with you or at home there, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. And did you know that God, in building his kingdom, is pursuing, he's seeking some of the most unlikely people to be part of his family. He's seeking people like you and like me. He's seeking to satisfy us. He's seeking to reconcile us. And in today's message, we find God will cross every boundary and barrier to bring his good news and to save all who will come and who will receive him and recognize that satisfaction and salvation come through Jesus alone. There is nothing in this life that will ultimately satisfy. And there is nothing that we can do that will bring us the salvation we need. Today's passage is a little bit longer, so I'm going to read it and preach through it as we walk through the story, okay? Are you all ready to go? Here we go. All right, let's pray here. Father, open our hearts to your word. Lord Jesus, help us to see you and how you want to reveal yourself to us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to see that we are the Samaritan woman. Help us to see we are also like the disciples. And help us, Lord, to receive you and respond to this message and how you reveal yourself to us today. Open our hearts, God. Holy Spirit, come on me. Your weak, this, this weak vessel, this broken vessel, and speak through today, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All righty. John chapter 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. These verses here set the stage. It's given the setting, all right, of the scene. What's going on here? All right, so we've got the Pharisees. They're trying to stir up a little drama. You know people in your life who try to do that, right? They're trying to create some kind of competition and issue there, and Jesus isn't going to have any of it. John's got a ministry, and, he's, and he wants to promote that, and so Jesus just moves on. We're going to head up north to, to Galilee. Now, it just so happens that the best highway, the best route to Galilee, which is in northern Israel, would go through a land called, or an area called Samaria. Now, this is important for our context. Samaria has long history among God's people and in the nation of Israel. Going back hundreds of years prior to Jesus, there was a separation that happened 
in, the, in God's people. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. All right, there was Judah, and then it was called Israel. You'll notice this in the Old Testament. And this northern kingdom, they had set up their own place of worship in a place called Samaria. Well, this area of northern Israel, they got invaded by this nation called the Assyrians 700 years before Jesus came. What the Assyrians did is they brought in all these other nations to, to, to culturally and politically and spiritually pollute and mix up the group there in order to, to, to remove some of the power of that of the northern kingdom. Well, when, ex, when, the, when the Jews came back from exile from being in Babylon and Assyria, they looked down on these people in this area as, as, as half-breeds, and, and religious uh, uh, miscreants, they, 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 they didn't have it right. They were off. They were a cult of some sort. They were messed up. So they were looked down on. And that continued even to Jesus' time and day that the people of Samaria, they had their own place of worship. They had their own way of worship. While they, they claimed to worship Yahweh, the one true God, they had deviated and they were, they, were, they were not pure Jews. And so there was racism and prejudice. So Jesus going through Samaria here is a setup of, okay, what's going to happen? How's Jesus going to handle this? He comes to Samaria. He stops there, you know, as we have to stop, you know, for a pit stop and go to the gas station, get a drink, you know, right? The sixth hour is noon, height of the sun, hottest part of the day. He's thirsty, and he needs a drink. So we come to verse 7 here, 7 through 9. So a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me? A woman of Samaria. For Jews had no dealings with Samaria, with Samaritans. So Jesus here, he comes to the well. He has no means by which to go down into the well. You know, it's like he shows up to the gas station, needs a drink, uh, uh, but he doesn't have any money or he doesn't have access, if you will. And so, so he asks her, you know, she's got access. She's got a way to get some, some water. Can you give me a drink, please? Now, her reaction, she can tell by his garb, what he's, what he's wearing, how he looks, he ain't from around here. Have you ever been dri driven through some of those places you stop, and you get some of those looks, and you, they, they, they clearly tell you, you, you're an outsider. You ain't from around here. And she reminds him, okay, you're a Jew. There's a lot of prejudice, racism here between Jews and Samaritans. And not only that... But a Samaritan woman was particularly unclean. In fact, in, in, in the later in law that was written about uh, 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 Samaritans would explain that Samaritan women were perpetually unclean. Jewish people should not have anything to do with them at all. 
And so her statement here is not just to acknowledge the facts, that what are you doing talking to me, but it's also to push him away. It's a little bit, she's got some sass here, all right? What are you doing here? What are you doing talking to me, you Jew? Have you encountered those people who, who when you're just trying to love on them, be nice to them, and, and they come off prickly, and they give you all kinds of reasons to just, you know, push you away? You know, they've got hurts in their lives, and, and they're, they're, they're not messing around. And they come off to you, and they say some, some sharp things and, and to push you away, right? They've, they, they just want to re- reinforce rejection in their life, maybe. Well, Jesus doesn't stop there. You know, we also do this with Jesus as well. We, we also put barriers up when we come to God, right? You know what? God can't love me because of, because of this. You know, I'm, I'm going to hide. I can't, I can't come back to church and fellowship. I can't join in worship of God because I'm in the gutter. I'm stuck. I got to make my life right. I got to get cleaned up. Or if people only knew what was going on inside of me. You know, Jesus doesn't love what happened to me in my past and what was done to me. God can't love me for that. We have all kinds of ways that we stiff arm God. We, put re- we try to put reasons out there to, 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 to deter him, to get him reject us. But he ain't going to stop, friends. God and his love, no matter what kind of resistance you put out there towards him, he ain't going to stop in his love coming after you. And some of you need to hear that today. And some of us, as we're here to share the gospel and we come in contact with others, we shouldn't allow others' defensiveness to, to, to cause us to run away either. We shouldn't personalize people's t- words or, or actions when we're there to love them. We shouldn't take that personally. If we're there for the gospel, let, lo- let love lead us to persist in loving them and let those things just slide on by. Well, Jesus keeps going. Verse 10 here, he said, he answers her, well, if you knew the gift of God and who is it that's, that is talking to you and said, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from it himself. He and his sons and his livestock. So Jesus, he totally lets the, word, the, the lady's words, her sass, he doesn't get into it. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, 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 entertain the, the cultural patterns of prejudice. And he goes right after. He's got a message to tell her. He's got good news to share with her. If you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask him for a drink because he's got living water. Now you can hear here, they are not on the same page. Jesus is going deep into the well of God's love for her, and she is just on the surface. Wait, you got water? Where? Because I don't see you can draw out of this well. Well, you got some kind of magic bucket somewhere? You're going to conjure some water up out of here? You're going to call it? Here, water, 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 water. How are you going to get water? Are you going to dig your own well? Are, are our, our, our ancestor Jacob, he dug this well. Are you going to dig a well too? Are you better than him? You know, her words again are to push him back. She doesn't, she's skeptical. And she has a lot of reason to, right? Maybe you've been wounded and hurt in your life, and you've got a lot of reason 
to question the love of others around you, questioning the faith, questioning God and his goodness and faithfulness. And it's hard because you've been wounded. She's still got that sash. She's skeptical of Jesus. And they are on another, they're missing each other on different levels. But Jesus keeps pursuing her. You notice that? And Jesus says to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I'll never be thirsty again or have to come back here to draw water. You can hear, they're just still missing each other, right? They're on different levels. Jesus, again, going deep to something that is so profound and life-changing. Jesus is talking about living water, eternal water. And she's stuck on physical water that will just satisfy her body temporarily. And she's excited about that. Do you hear that? Give me this water. She thinks her need, her need is some physical temporary need. Jesus is inviting her to see that there's something I had to give you here. Living water that will be in you. Living water that will not just give you power for this life, but for the next. This is water. This is refreshment that will allow you to be resilient and transcend in this life whatever hardship, whatever troubles, whatever trials, whatever struggles you go through. It will enable you to rise above. But it's more than that. It will bring you into eternity. It won't end. It'll bring you into my love. What is Jesus talking about here? He's getting into talking here about the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament repeatedly talked about this, this water, this, this sp- uh, springs of living water coming of the pouring out of God's Spirit of Jesus in us. Jesus in us to satisfy us. Because nothing in this life will ever ultimately be satisfying enough. The woman here is stuck on this plane. Give me this water, this earthly water. You know, we get stuck with Jesus at this point as well. We get excited about the ideas of what he can give me. Jesus, come into my life, change my life. Jesus, make the bad things go away. Jesus, bring prosperity. Bring good things in my life. If I accept Jesus into my life, my life's all going to get better. My my needs are going to be provided for. And then I'll be satisfied because Jesus gives me the earthly things, the desires of my heart. You know, we, we keep going back to these broken wells. Je- Jeremiah talks about this. Th- there's, there's, there's something I have to call against my people. They go to these broken wells that will never satisfy. Whether it's success in this life, whether it's at your job or, 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 or in, in family, and you're feeling comfortable in the ease and, and you love it and you want to maintain it, friends, it's going to get disrupted. There's no promises that this life is going to be stable. It's broken. And Jesus came to save us because he's preparing the next life with perfection. 
You know, we keep looking to things to cause, help us escape the pains even. We keep looking, you know, to alcohol or, 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 or to, to drugs, prescriptions or work or whatever it may be to escape. And we keep chasing that high. We keep chasing that escape. It's never going to be enough. You're always going to have to come back to that well. And you're a slave. We keep looking to, to relationships, Right? If I just get a man or, or if I just get a girl in my life, if, I, if, I, if, if, if family just would, would, would just treat me better, you can't control other people. There's so many different ways that we look for our circumstances and try to find satisfaction in the things that are temporary in this life. But he's, Jesus is saying, I've got something better. I got satisfaction that will be live in you and will be a spring that won't ever end. And it's not your circumstances. It's not how you feel. It's me. He keeps going. It's about to get real with this woman here, and he's, he's going to take her to the level to, to, to help her connect, to see the real need that she has. It's not a physical need, and so it's about to get personal. In verse 16 here, Jesus said to her, go call your husband. Have him come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right in saying you have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, you can just imagine like that feeling of all her life just being exposed, all her junk just being brought out, right? She is just jaw drop, heart sunk in the stomach, like, whoa, I am, holy cow, I feel vulnerable right now. The woman said to her, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus goes right for her heart to expose. You've got a pattern of brokenness in your life. These five husbands, right? She, she tried to hide it, right? You notice how she was real savvy? I don't have a husband. She knew where Jesus was going. She was trying to be socially smart there. And he brings it out. You've had five. And it ain't because they all died from her cooking. All right? There's a pattern of brokenness. Serial relationships. They can't be maintained. Goes through these men. She can't handle intimacy. That brokenness keeps coming out. And so you know how it is, like when you're broken, you enter in a relationship, but you don't want to commit. So just just live together. Because they don't want to have to deal with that kind of commitment, you know, because it's likely that it's going to break apart anyways. Don't want to add to that harm. To live together was not acceptable. Today, society's values have lowered to the point where, where it's common and it's okay to live together, you know, to try on the shoe before you before you buy it. That's common today, but back then this was not common. 
You see, in the beginning, when she came to the well, she came by herself, friends. Women don't go to the well by themselves. She came at noon. Women don't go to the well at noon. It's hot. You do your hard work, your heavy lifting, in the early morning or the late evening. You know why she was coming to the well? Because she was alone. She was alone. She's isolated. She was ashamed. She's been exposed by Jesus. But Jesus ain't removing himself. He's not, he's not stepping away. He's not, he's not exposing her sin to harm her. Friends, when God and his spirit convicts you as he's drawing us out to touch on that sin and that crud and the things that we hide in our life, friends, he's not going to hurt you. He's going to save you. He's going to release you. As he exposes the things in your life, friends, his wounding is to heal you, friends. Do you hear me? You can trust him. You see, to bring out the things that we hide and we're ashamed of, and the Satan tells us, hey, hey, he can't love you for that, or you better not let anybody know about that. He loves you. And he's pursuing you, and he wants to take that, whether it's the pain of, and, 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 the, and, the, and, and the sin that somebody else has done to you or your own stuff. Don't hesitate. Bring it to him. And he will love you, he will embrace you, and he will set you free. Now look at what her response is. Where does she go when Jesus exposes her? What does she do? You know, what do we all do when uh, we get exposed, right? It's awkward. It's embarrassing. We deflect, right? We change the subject. She goes to religion now, right? She was first looking at satisfaction. Oh, man, this guy, he can, he can take care of my physical needs here in this life. And now it got real. And where did she turn to? Religion. Religion. These are the two common things that we try to turn to to make sense in this life and make meaning in this life. She goes to religion. Okay, you're a prophet. I see that. I'll call that out. Our fathers, though, they worship on this mountain. But you Jews, you say we got to worship down in Jerusalem. How about that? How are you going to make sense of that? Jesus steps toward her still. Verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. The hour is coming. And now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such women to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, well, I know that the Messiah is coming. He's the, called the Christ. When he comes, he's going to tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, he. Jesus engages her, her comment here of, of, hey, you say we— we should worship down in Jerusalem, but hey, we've been worshiping our God up here. What makes, it, what, makes what you're doing right? For years, hundreds of years, they'd set up the worship in Mount Gerizim is, uh, uh, on that hill there. And as Jesus explains, the Samaritans, you see, they, 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 they worshiped God, but they didn't, they didn't have all of the scriptures, God's revelation of himself, to know him, to know Yahweh. 
They didn't know him. But the Jews, they have all the revelation of God up to this point. But Jesus is saying, you know what? It's not going to be in Jerusalem. The Jews don't have the monopoly on this. It ain't going to be on this hill here. There's something happening. The hour is coming. In fact, it's now started. Because I'm here. You see, God is seeking people not who will go to the right place to worship, who, but who will worship the one true God. And I've come to reveal that. You see, those true worshipers, he talks about those who God is seeking people who will worship in spirit and truth. What does he mean by that? Those who will truly worship God, worship him alone, filled with the Holy Spirit, where that love is directed to God, they're reconciled to God. You see, we can't do that on our own, friend. We can't do that on our own. Left to ourselves, we're going to turn aside and worship anything in this life, but not God himself. We need the Spirit to change us in order for that to happen. we got to be transformed, and the truth is to worship through Jesus Christ. Because, friends, as Jesus will explain later to, to Philip, he says, show us the Father. He says, Philip, I and the Father are one. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. You see, if we're going to worship in truth, it's through Jesus. It's through God's revelation showing us himself in Jesus. We can't come on our own terms and determine God how we want to. There's a movement right now in terms of, of, of trying to shift how we determine what is true, and that's based on our experience. It's whatever you feel, whatever you believe is true. And so it's all this individual perspective that determines what's true and what's right and how you feel. And, and, and that can get determine like well, how you live and what's right. And, no, 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 no. That actually will lead to chaos and destruction. God is showing us the truth is Jesus. And, if, and, and those who will be reconciled to God, those who have this well of life, those who have living water, are those who accept Jesus. You see, that living water that Jesus was talking about, it's not an experience. That living water that Jesus is talking about, it's not some kind of high. That living water that Jesus is talking about is not your circumstances. That living water is a person. That living water is a person, friends. It's Jesus Christ. As John explained earlier, to all those who receive, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you worship. It doesn't matter what the rituals are. If you're not worshiping the one true God through Jesus Christ, if you've not been changed and transformed through the Holy Spirit, and friends, you're empty. You're going to be chasing through life, trying to find satisfaction. And like you two sang decades ago, you'll be singing, But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That did pretty good, right? Okay, never mind. Outside of Jesus, we're empty. Something starts to click for this lady here, right? 
Salvation and satisfaction is in Jesus as a person. Not what he does for you. In Jesus, living for him, glorifying him, surrendering to him, Jesus. So just then, verse 27, here we go. Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, you got to come and see this man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. So the woman's excited. Things are starting to click. She's got hope. You know how you, 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 you've experienced that as well. It, when, when, when you've been touched or you see those who come to see, like, oh, they're on the fringe. They're starting to realize God is so good. His love is immense and amazing. They, they begin to just sip the water of Jesus and his goodness, and there's more than this life through him. And they're excited, and they tell others. She leaves, so the disciples come in here, and we've got a new scene, all right? And we've got a new message. So the disciples are, meanwhile, while the people are coming out to Jesus, they're urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving his wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be rejoiced together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for what you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Disciples come to Jesus. They went off to get some, some takeout at the local establishment there, got some food, brought it back to Jesus. Eat, because they know, they know he's physically famished. They can see his exhaustion. And again, Jesus, as he does, he speaks at another level, right? I have food that's not of this world. They're confused. They don't know what he's talking about. And he, go, and, 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 and he tries to bring them in to understanding something that's so important, not just for his disciples then, but for us. My food. You see, my priority, my ultimate satisfaction is in doing the will of my Father. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. When you consider what you're trying, as we as followers of Jesus, if you've accepted Christ, if you know that you're a disciple, you're a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted him, what do you find satisfaction in now? We have the tendency to still try to root ourselves in the things of this world and our priorities. We still get caught up in, in raising up these things that are just temporary and earthly. It's not that family's not important. It's not that work is not important. It's not that fun and play are not important. These are good things and they're godly things. But what's ultimate, what Jesus says here, my food is to do the will of the Father. 
can you say those words? Jesus' invitation here is for you and I to say that, for you and I to identify and step into that place with him if we're followers of Jesus, that we might say, my food, my satisfaction, my purpose is to do your will, Father, to complete your work. Because there are millions of people that are, that are on a highway to hell, and they need to hear the good news. They need to hear the good news. And it doesn't matter who they are or where they're from. Jesus says, look at the harvest. Look at the harvest. It's ripe and ready. And if the disciples are connecting and starting to see that Jesus is not talking about, I don't see no harvest. I just see, you know, this wasteland of Samaria. I don't know what if they're actually connecting with Jesus and they see these Samaritans, they're, they're, they're also disconnecting in the sense that they're seeing like, these are Samaritans. What are they good for? They're half-breeds. They're like a cult. They're off. They're messed up. And Jesus is saying, you know what? The gospel goes across every barrier. It doesn't matter where you're from. Well, it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what they worship now. It doesn't matter who they are. I love them and I want them to be part of my kingdom if they will receive me. You see, earlier in John, he said, those who receive him, those who believe in him, will become children of God. Again, it's not about religion, about where you worship and how you worship. It's about Jesus. Will you come to Jesus? Do we, is our hunger, is our food to see people come to Jesus? Are we lost, friends, and caught up in just trying to get by and get our own satisfaction from our own earthly things, friends? I get distracted. Don't we all? We get distracted by the things of this life. We get distracted by the things that are right in front of us. We get distracted by the news, by the Facebook, Insta-tweet. Snapgram, whatever. And we get distracted from what is my purpose? What's really going to satisfy? And friends, when you are feasting on the food of the Father to do the will of the Father, you will find your heart's well, and you will, what does it say? This sower and reaper rejoice together. There's joy there. There's so much joy, like the joy in us seeing Jamie Lee getting baptized next Sunday. That joy we share in, that this is what it's about. The harvest. Now we can't miss that when Jesus is saying is you can't let any human barriers get between you and those that the Father loves. John 3, 16, God so loved the what? The world. Is there a barrier in your heart to anybody worshiping next side you in eternity for heaven? Worshiping beside you right now? Maybe their lifestyle, their political values or beliefs or, or their philosophical beliefs. Maybe it's their ethnicity. Whatever differences they don't have to divide because the gospel makes us one through Jesus. Amen? The gospel, Jesus, breaks through all boundaries and barriers. 
Because God so loved the world. You know, friends, when we get this, we see that we are the Samaritans. We are the outsiders that God himself pursued. And that when we get it, we will cross all boundaries and barriers. We will want those who are different from us worshiping next to us now and for eternity. And so the passage ends. Verse 39, many Samaritans of that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me that all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Jesus didn't say, nope, you're unclean. Nope, you're dirty. Nope, we're different. We can't be together. He stepped towards them in love to share the love of God with them. He stayed with them two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard from ourselves, for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. All people. Through the Samaritans here now, we're hearing the gospel. We're hearing the good news. Those who are outsiders and rejects are welcomed in. That's the kingdom of God. And when we get it, that we are those people, we will share in Jesus' in Jesus's truth that we will find joy in sharing in the food of the Father, doing the will of the Father. So where are you at today? Are you like this Samaritan woman where you're trying to find satisfaction in the things of this life? Where you're just maybe looking at Jesus and you're hoping maybe he'll just change my life's circumstances. He'll give me the things that satisfy me. He'll take the bad things away. He'll bring good things and make all things good for me. You're looking for Jesus to be your sugar daddy. That you need to receive Jesus himself today. His person, to live for Him, to live and surrender, to let Him live in you, to follow His ways. And you will experience unending joy and satisfaction. Jesus alone saves, friends. You can't go to religion. It's not about doing the right thing, friends, that saves you. It's not about you. It's about Him. He did it all. Come now to the well, to the living water, to Jesus and drink from that. If you've not surrendered today, come and surrender. And for those of us, if we're followers of Jesus, I want us to walk away. And I want us to, 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 to maybe even post it somewhere. Is my food to do the will of the Father today? Is that my food? Have I, if I, have I ate today? Have I satisfied my hunger today? Is my food to do the will of the Father? to love those who are outsiders? Are there any barriers in your hearts towards any type of person and people? Do you need to confess that and let the Lord renew that with his heart? Is my food to do the will of the Father? Is your heart beat to see the lost saved? You see, you've been placed in your workplace. You've been placed in your neighborhood. You've been placed in your friend group. You have been placed in your school setting and environment. You've been placed where you've been placed in life, in your family. 
to bring the gospel, the good news, and to share that love. Is your food to do the will of the Father. Friends, let's pray. Let's come to the well here. I'm going to invite the worship team come on forward as we close things out. Holy Spirit, we come and ask you to fill us. Jesus, you explained to Nicodemus, only those who, who can come into the kingdom are those who are changed by the Spirit. We need you, Spirit, to come and change us. Lord, for those who are recognizing that, 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 that they just look into you to be a sugar daddy, or they've been looking to religion to try to make their way to you, and they have not been looking to you, Jesus, to come to you, to follow you, to surrender to you, to want just you, Jesus. They're coming now, Lord Jesus. We ask, change our hearts. Forgive us. We want you to be our Lord and Savior. Help us to live in your love now. And that we want your spring of living, living water to be in us. We want you to be in us, Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who are followers of you, and we need to, 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 to renew that covenant, to renew that well, that we, we satisfy ourselves, Jesus, Forgive us for how we satisfy ourselves in other things other than doing the will of the Father. Lord, forgive us for setting up our own agendas, for setting up our own kingdom here, Lord God. Forgive us how we've deviated and, and again turned to you like, Jesus, you, you should be serving me, not, not me serving you. Forgive us, God. Jesus, forgive us and cleanse us where, where our hearts aren't right and there's barriers and walls in our hearts about those we won't worship with now, those we don't want to hear the gospel now. Or may, maybe they can worship somewhere else, but not, not, not here with me right now. Oh God, forgive us. Cleanse our hearts and let our, let our hearts beat like yours, Jesus, who, who, who loved the world, who loved us and you draw near to us, oh God. And let us... Let us enter into your work of breaking across every barrier that we may see your kingdom now and be part of your joy, Jesus, now. In your name we pray. Amen.